What is it like being a single dad? Thank you for joining me for episode 56 of the Meek on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Jenneman, just a regular gal trying to help people know they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. And today we chat with my friend Scott here on what it means to be victorious as a single father. We hear quite a bit about single moms, but it is good to get another perspective, especially when it comes to single parenting. Before we start, I want to remind you of my book coming out October 18th. It will be available on Amazon. It is called The Real War on Women Overcoming Culture's Lies to Freely Live Out Your God-Given Purpose. It is about how to fight in the spiritual war that we are living in today as women, as God called us to as individuals, not like everyone else. It has a world World War II theme, and every chapter starts out with a story of a woman from World War II. I then compare that woman to a woman in the Bible. Again, my book, The Real War on Women, coming out October 18th. Now let's get to our chat with Scott Peer. Welcome back to the Unique On Purpose podcast. Today I have my friend with me, Scott Peer. Scott, you are a dad, you are an entrepreneur, but you are more specifically a single dad, and that's kind of why... We're here today. <laughs> yeah, you got to get close to the mic. <laughs> yeah, good morning. Nice to be here. Yeah, well, thank you for joining me. I know that it's kind of, it's really not an easy topic to discuss. And I mean, I don't know how you feel talking about it, but I appreciate you being here, being vulnerable, and just kind of sharing your story because I think there are a lot of single dads out there, but not a lot of them are talking. We hear a lot about single moms. But we don't hear a lot about single dads, and the number of single dads is going up. Right. Yeah, I've actually met quite a few since I myself have become a single dad, but I've been a single dad for over 10 years, so mm-hmm. I've, I've met quite a few over the years, and it's surprising how many they are. there are, but yeah, they don't come out and talk about it. Right, and we have like sing, uh, ministries geared towards single mothers, and I think because there's definitely more of an abundance of single moms but it's to the point now where we need to be, well, I shouldn't say to the point. I mean, it was at the point 10, 20 years ago. We also need to be ministering to single dads. But tell me a little bit of who Scott is. Who's Scott Pierre? Well, um, I'm just a normal guy that lived out in the country and went to a small school and ended up finding a sweetheart while in school. And mm-hmm. from there, I had kids. And from certain points, it led to me being a single dad. But Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I own my own business and I raise my own daughters, you know, mm-hmm. my daughters on my own mm-hmm. and uh, I try to do things for others when I can because a lot of people have done things for me. So I try to be the person who gives back when possible. Mm-hmm. So you are a single dad to two daughters and you own your own business. I almost feel as though being a single parent, that's your best option when it comes to a career. I don't know, because it has more flexibility, depending on the business. It can be, yeah, because I have to be the one to take them to the doctors mm-hmm. and to school when they were in school, then to you know go home and cook dinner and stuff. Being able to run my own hours definitely helps because a lot of times I have to drag them to work. And if I worked at like Walmart, I can't take my kids. Right. If you're doing the Monday through Friday, nine to five, it's yeah. not something that you can do. Start back at the beginning. And I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. You don't have to give details, but like... What exactly led to you becoming a single dad? Because it's not even just that you're a single dad. It's the fact that you have custody of these girls. Like they are with you 
almost 100% of the time. So kind of what led up to that, your story? Because I think that there are a lot of other dads out there that have a similar story to yours. Yeah, unfortunately, most of the time when one parent receives custody of the kids, it's because the other parent fell out because of abusing some sort of substance. Mm -hmm. And in my case, you know, the girls' mom got addicted to pills and other, you know, drugs, and which led to her losing custody of the girls. Mm -hmm. Were you married at the time or did you end up divorced? Like, I don't even know if you were married. Yeah, I was married for three years, but a year of it was during divorce. Okay. So I guess two years. But yeah, it didn't last very long and it took a long time to get the divorce process through because we had kids. It takes quite a bit longer to, to get it done. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Now, did you notice that there was a problem before you were married or was this a problem that started after marriage? Oh yeah, there was, there was definitely signs, you mm-hmm. know, from the small ones, from her sleeping at random hours and being kind of out of it to me coming home and her directly telling me that she had gotten some stuff from somebody and then I owe them money. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, babe. Yeah. Appreciate it. Was that was that kind of what led to divorce? Was you said, okay, I can't do this anymore? Or was that, I, I mean, again, I, I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus. I just kind of want to get the details because I know that there are other people out there that can relate. No, it was, it was, it was, uh, that's definitely what led to it, but there there was other factors. I mean, when people are abusing drugs, their mind changes. Mm. You know, the way they think and the way that their mind processes things changes. Mm-hmm. And what really drew it to the very end was I had to take her to the hospital, and she checked herself in to the 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 uh, place for you know you're, when you're having suicidal thoughts. And stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she had started talking about different things that she wanted to do and she was making plans to end her and the girls' lives. Mm. That was the very last defining you know, moment for me to where right. I just looked at her and it was it was over. I'd almost lost all feelings of love and I walked it, out. It's one thing when you say, I want to take my own life. It's another thing when you say, I want to take my own and our kids is like, that's a totally different story. And then here you are as dad wanting to make sure that your kids are protected. So now you've, you've gone through this marriage, you've gone through the substance abuse with her trying to help her, but it's the last straw. You're now divorced and now it's just you. How hard was that making that transition or really was it hard at all? Or was it easier because you were dealing, you didn't have the drug abuse you had to deal with anymore. I don't know. How was that? Like I, I thought it was going to be easier because when my oldest daughter was six months old, their mom went into a rehab facility. Mm-hmm. So that was actually my first moment of experiencing being a single dad. Okay. So for about, you know, six months. So from six months old to about a year, I was raising my oldest Harley on my own. Mm-hmm. And that was my, you know, I experienced that and I had a taste of it and I didn't really like it because, you know, I liked having that spouse, somebody there to help. Yeah. And I thought things were working out fine, but when we ended up having temperance and temperance was three months old, that was when a lot of the bigger issues happened and Mm -hmm. checking herself into the hospital. And yeah, so that's when it ended and I started being a full-time single dad when, uh, she was three months old. Okay. And you thought it was going to be easier 
getting the divorce, why wasn't it easier? Just because there's tons and tons of paperwork. And if you screw up on one piece, you got to redo it. And every time you screw up and you have to come back to court, it takes you know a certain amount of weeks to get back on the schedule. So it just took a very long time to get it done. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have a lawyer. I was just doing it on my own. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't doing things correctly every time. And eventually the judge helped me file the stuff correctly. So what about after the divorce, when that was all said and done, did you feel as though it was easier because you were in a sense cut off from her or was it still hard? Well, what happened harder than what you thought it would be. That battle ended and I was already in the middle of another battle, which didn't help anything because I asked my sister to help with temperance after mm-hmm. their mom left. Mm-hmm. And you know, my sister was watching her during the days and sometimes overnights. And eventually it got to the point to where she wasn't letting me have her back. And I had to take my own sister to court. Mm. So it went from one battle. So it was like one drama to the next with your kids. And you have fought so hard for your girls. I mean, I've watched you for many years. I think I first met your youngest when she was, I don't know, two, two or three. I know. Well, I remember babysitting her and I think she was like three or four at the time. But yeah, I mean, the the girls were really young when I first met them. Yeah, I guess it would be because we met when you first came to church and we'll get to that story in a moment. And it was in the Sunbeams room where that was is where the four year olds go. Okay, so that makes that makes a lot. And of course, you would know better than I would. I just (laughs) thought she was a lot younger than that. But you've been doing this a while now. And then being a single dad kind of led you to church. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. During all the the stress and the worry and me having to deal with loss and battling for custody, um, I ended up meeting a couple of people at work that attended Living Hope Church. Mm-hmm. And with them talking to me and praying over me and me seeing what they had, you know, what they had with God, mm-hmm. I wanted my daughters to be able to have the opportunity to see that and experience that and choose on their own, you know, what would be best for them. And that led me to Living Hope Church. But you were an atheist at the time. Yeah, there was and, no God in my life. Yeah, and, and yet you're watching this couple and you're saying, I want my daughters to have what they have, even though I don't believe in God. Yeah. I mean, what is going on in your head? Because that's crazy. In my mind now, I think about it, it was just God <laughs> working his his ways and me yeah. just not knowing what was going on. Okay. They asked you to church? They invited several times and eventually I accepted. And what was that breaking point of finally accepting? You were just sick of them asking or you were just sick of the drama where you're like, okay, I need, just need to get them somewhere? Nope. I just wanted to put my kids' needs and futures before my own. Mm-hmm. And if it took me out of my comfort zone, then so be it. So tell me about that very first day. Had you ever been to church before? Um, When I was really, really young, maybe like six or seven, my aunt had dragged me and my sisters to a, a VBS thing. Okay. And all I remember is that people were doing hand puppets and hand puppets <laughs> kind of creeped me out. And so it was a bad experience. Okay. So tell me then about that first day at Living Hope Church in Northern Michigan. Well, obviously for me, it was nerve wracking Mm -hmm. and stressful because I didn't want to be in a church. There was no reason for me to be in a church. But like I said, I was stepping out of my own comfort zone for my kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking in and 
having somebody greet me at the door. And then I'm pretty sure one of the other people that I ran into right after that was uh, you, Rachel. Oh, yep. Yep. And you helped us downstairs to the check-in area. Mm-hmm. And I remember being told that the girls had to go in and I had to go upstairs, but I refused and then said that I wanted to stay down there or I was not going to stay. Yeah. And you went out of your way and had me do the background check and everything. And I passed the background check so that I could stay down there right away. And if I wouldn't have been able to stay with my kids, we may not have been there or continued to go at all. So you walk into church, you go downstairs, because that's where the kids' church is, is, is down, or was, is downstairs, and you go into what is the Sunbeam's room, and you're sitting there with, it was just, who, what, well, wait a minute, was it Harley or was it Tempe that was in? Temperance went into the nursery, oh. and Harley was in Sunbeam. So I was right, it was <laughs> Temperance was was younger. Okay, yeah. so you're in the Sunbeam's room. Harley was about four. And what are you thinking at this point watching these adults teach pretty much you and these kids about Jesus? Right. I was more probably, uh, if I remember correctly, I was more focused on just watching Harley and how she was perceiving things and interacting mm. with the adults and the kids. Mm-hmm. I wasn't myself probably listening too much to what was going on, mm-hmm. just seeing how well my daughter was taking it. And how long was it that you stayed with the kids church before eventually making your way into adult church? I do remember that I stayed down there for multiple weeks mm-hmm. and didn't go upstairs. And eventually, you know, through talking with the other adults, I made my way up to what used to be the old cafe mm-hmm. and I spent a few weeks hanging out in the old cafe during church. Okay. And then eventually I made my way into the sanctuary for okay, the first so, time. Okay, so let's back up. You you go to the cafe. What are you experiencing? Like, why didn't you go into the service? Why did you hang out in the cafe? Well, because I was still in the mindset that it wasn't for me mm-hmm. and I didn't need a God. Okay. So there was no reason for me to go into the sanctuary to experience anything. Got it. And what did you, I mean, were you meeting people in the cafe? Were you chatting with other Christians? What was your perspective there? Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're in the church, you really can't avoid it. Whether you want to talk to somebody or not, <laughs> someone's going to come up to you and talk. So, yeah, I had a lot of interaction with the other adults in the church. What were you thinking of them? Well, you know, there's always there's always going to be somebody who doesn't rub you the right way or maybe yeah. makes you feel a little awkward. Mm-hmm. But there was always those that made you feel really comfortable. Okay. And those are the ones that... I befriended faster and, Mm -hmm. you know, they helped me to realize that I needed to go in and just Mm -hmm. experience it for myself because if I'm going to let my kids experience it, I should experience it too. So then you walk in to big people church. Eventually you get there after so long. Now what's going through your head? Well, um, really nothing. I was just making sure that I sat in the very back row (laughs) and wasn't seen and just listen to what Pastor Kerry was saying. You know, that's every person's like, that's what every person does, right? So every rebellious person. Back row in the dark. Back row. And so you're listening to the message. What's going on in your head now? Well, a lot of the times, you know, it just, to me, it was just gibberish at first because, you know, a lot of stuff I didn't really know and Mm -hmm. didn't really want to know. But obviously there was certain things that eventually stuck with me and made me want to learn a little bit more and get more involved. And I even moved my way up in the rows. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the plan is working. Okay. So what was the turning point then of, 
I need to give my life over to Jesus. I, I, I mean, never... you go in from atheist to now I'm giving my heart to Jesus. I mean, that's a pretty huge leap. It, it wasn't actually at church. It was with the couple that had uh, brought me to the church. Okay. And it was one of the mornings to where I had to give my youngest daughter back to my sister because during the battle we had to share custody. Mm-hmm. And my sister ended up calling CPS on me because temperance had a rash. Mm-hmm. Which and, all babies do. Yep. And because, you know, somebody calls a CPS on a male, it seems to be a lot worse yes. than when they call on a female. Yeah. And my visitation for the rest of the week was immediately canceled. Mm-hmm. And she was taken to the hospital to be evaluated. And I remember the 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 great couple from Living Hope that, you know, brought me to the church. I told them about it. We sat there and we prayed uh, just in a random building that we were at mm-hmm. working. And we prayed for a while. They prayed over me, over the situation. And probably 10 minutes later, my phone rang and it was my lawyer saying that they found nothing and that it was a false, you know, false accusation. False accusation and that I immediately got all of my visitation back and they weren't going to do anything. And that just doesn't happen with males no. get accused of something. Right, right. And that was kind of the turning point where you gave your heart to Jesus. And that's that's such an incredible testimony. And you've been going to that church ever since. You've been serving there. How long is it? I mean, how long have you been going there now? I think we're on like 10 like, years and going on 10 years. Yeah. Okay. You went from your single dad, you go from atheist to Christian. And now you, as a single dad with your two girls are attending this church on a regular basis. Well, maybe go back to that in a little bit, but I want to talk more about the whole men having it harder when it comes to CPS kind of speak into that because I know that that you're not the only one that has had that issue. It does seem to be when CPS is called out on males, it is a whole lot different than females. Why is that? Well, obviously, unfortunately, you know, men of this world has given men in general kind of a, a bad rap when it comes towards little girls or, mm-hmm. you know, young people in in, per, in general. Mm-hmm. Somebody thinks of some kind of a weird thing on a girl and she's been around a guy, they immediately think that he did something. That right. They have. automatically go to the sexual abuse route. Yeah. Okay. So that's what they're thinking of you at this point. Right. Have you experienced that with other dads? Have you talked to other dads that that has happened to? I it's, I guess it's not really something that gets brought up in conversation, mainly because the men are a little more reserved and maybe don't want to be vulnerable and talk about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'm sure that there's other men out there that have experienced it. Is there a shame that comes with that? Like, even though they're innocent, is there a shame that comes with CPS it, being called on you as a guy? It was at first, but it wasn't as bad because, you know, at that moment, very few people knew about it, mm-hmm. and because it was resolved so quickly, I didn't get as much of a burden from it as I may have if it would have lasted 24 hours or a week or mm-hmm. however long it took. I think, too, with with a man, there's that shame because it's automatically assumed that there's a sexual assault. With a woman who gets CPS called on her, nine times out of ten, it pretty much has to do with the husband— yeah. Then there's the shame of people accusing her. Well, how could you not know? I don't know how many times I've heard people say to women, how could you not know? And sometimes the woman just doesn't know. So I, I, there's shame no matter what gender you are, but the shame is definitely 
different. How do you feel that being a single dad is different than being a single mom? Well, you uh, there's there's less help, it seems, you know, mm-hmm. for single dads. As far as, like, resources? Yeah, what do you mean there's, by that? There's, not, there's out there in the world, or in Traverse City even, mm-hmm. there seems to be specific groups and organizations that tend to help and, and are geared more towards single moms, which is seems uninviting to the dads. You know, they hear all the stuff about single mom groups and, you know, you know, moms with kids getting these, you know, getting certain backpacks or stuff. And I know that the men can do it too, but because nobody really talks about it, we don't feel included in a mm. lot of the stuff because it's just single mom, single mom, single mom. Mm-hmm. But, you know, men just have to grow up a little bit and step out of their comfort zone. Yeah, you know, that was actually my next question was, do men feel that they can't ask for help because men are naturally providers? I know that's not politically correct. Women are supposed to be strong and breadwinners too. And it, But men naturally want to provide. That is something that God has ingrained in, in men. So is there a pride factor when asking for help? There definitely is because I started a group on Facebook for, you know, dads in general, not just single dads, but mm-hmm. any dad with kids mm-hmm. that needs advice or mm-hmm. needs help. And even on there, I found that, they don't really want to talk about the stuff or ask for help, even though we have a list of resources mm-hmm. from other dads that have volunteered their skills and their labor mm-hmm. to be able to help other dads that need it. But, you know, it's still, I think it is a pride thing because, yeah, dads want to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Is there more empathy towards single moms than single dads? There seems to be, but I know that things are changing a little bit because, you know, society has become more aware that there's a lot of single dads out there. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, it's, it's, it's coming to light a little bit more. Yeah. Because I remember one time it was when my kids were really little and even though I'm not a single parent, I felt like a single parent because my husband worked so much. It was just the season of life we were in and they were, you know, my kids were little. So they were, in my opinion, harder than when they got older. But I remember driving past an oil change place and it said, today is free oil changes for single moms. And it made me mad because I was like, we are so poor right now. Like we're broke and my husband's working so hard. I want a free oil change. You know, I feel like a single mom. But you know what I never thought about is like, why didn't they say single dads? Why was it just single moms? And I'm not trying to put down single moms. It's just this is the first time I've actually thought about that of there's a lot going on for single moms, but not necessarily, quote unquote, single parents. Right. So you've noticed, well, obviously you've noticed that too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep. I've noticed it for years. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that, I, I'm trying to ask this tactfully, the welfare system, the state, when it comes to asking for help, do you feel as though it's easier for single moms than it is for single dads to get help from the state? I, I'm not sure exactly on that, but I know that when I've tried to get assistance, it seemed to be a lot of hoops that I had to jump through and then I still didn't get anything. Like one time I did try to get the bridge card Mm -hmm. that Michigan gives out where you can get food. Mm -hmm. And after trying again and again, I got approved for $16 a month. And so I just like, no, you guys, you know, keep that because it's almost a slap in the face at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Not to sound prideful, but you've never had to do that just because it just wasn't offered to you. Correct. I I never had the ability to really use that resource. You know, I did a few of the food pantries because churches and stuff are really good for food pantries. Mm -hmm. But 
they the girls get health insurance, so I'm kind of glad about that. Mm-hmm. You know, because things would be a lot harder if I had to pay for all their medical bills too. Now, not only are you single dadding it, you have your own business. You have a couple businesses actually, but you're also homeschooling the girls. How is that? Uh, there's a lot, a lot of stress, <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah. So, but is it? I mean, talk to the single dads out there. Is that doable? Oh, it's definitely doable. I mean. I paint houses for a living. I do a little side art on the side mm-hmm. or a little artwork on the side. And I also have to keep track of what my girls are doing on their computer when it comes to their schoolwork, mm-hmm. trying to figure out if I'm going to continue doing the homeschooling or if I'm going to try to do public school again. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of stress to it, but I mean, it's doable. Mm-hmm. I haven't been driven nuts by it. Yeah. So. What do you feel is the difference between a single mom and a single dad. And I ask this because as a single mom, often moms were used to either A, being able to stay at home, or B, just working part-time. And then when they become single, suddenly now they have to be the breadwinner where they never necessarily had to before. And that adds on so much stress of trying to take care of the kids and nurture them the way they used to but now they have to be the breadwinner. So tell me about the difference then when it comes to being a single dad. Well, I know the difference right away because my kids complain about it. Um, You know, single dads were a little bit tougher. Okay. And, you know, expect our kids to be a little bit tougher probably Mm -hmm. as to where the moms are a little bit more tender and loving and caring, you know, because the girls have already told me that, you know, when they fall down and get a, an, you know, a scratch or a scrape or something, I'll go over there and look at it, you know, and be like, oh, you're all right, get back up, as yeah. to where moms would probably go over there and be a little bit more, are you okay? And, yeah, let's go know. clean it up, let's get you a Band-Aid. Yeah. Yep. And then, obviously, being a single dad, there's certain things about raising daughters that you can't relate to, mm-hmm. and you rely on other people in your life to, to help with those things, like mm-hmm. changes of their body and stuff. That's where the blessings of me being involved with the church Mm -hmm. and knowing good people has really come in handy because there's great women in my life who can help me with those things because yeah, there's a lot of differences. Mm -hmm. The dads can't help or understand that kind of stuff. So what you're saying is, Hey, if you're single dad out there and you have girls, make sure you have women around you that can be a blessing to your daughters and be the spiritual mom they need to be. Yeah. Cause there's going to be questions that you can't ask. Same thing with single moms raising boys. There's going to be certain questions that, the boys have that the moms just won't know how to answer correctly like mm-hmm. a dad would. Right. Because unlike what society says today, there is just two, gen- gen- there are just two genders yes. and there is a huge difference between boys and girls. And I have talked to men who have been raised by single moms and they have said one of the best things my mom did for me was surround me by godly men that could teach me how to be a man because I didn't have the dad in my life that I needed. And so that's what you're doing. So give that, give advice then right now to the single dad out there that has girls. What does he need to do? Well, first thing I would say is you need to get, you know, some women in your life that are able to show love and care for your daughter in the correct way Mm -hmm. and be able to help them with things that you just are going to be lost and unable to, to do with them. How have the women in the church, I mean, specifically, how have the women in the church helped you with your daughters? Well, I mean, in many ways, I've had many of them volunteer to do babysitting or just hang out with the girls. So I have free time. Mm -hmm. 
And then there's been women in the church that have said, hey, I'll take your daughter shopping so you don't have to go walking through those aisles with them and everybody feels uncomfortable. Right. (laughs) You don't want to walk through the bra aisles, Scott? (laughs) I don't blame you. I think it's uncomfortable for women, too. But no, I get that. We need each other. And that's why the body of Christ is so important is we get to we're, we're family in the body of Christ. We're spiritual moms. We're spiritual dads. It's not just the children that we're raising, but we and you're doing that, too. You're being a spiritual dad because you run a boys group at your church. And so you get to be a spiritual dad to those boys, even if they have really great dads at home. You still get to be that extra you know, you get to be extra. <laughs> yep. So if there is a dad out there right now that's really struggling, not even just with maybe he's got girls, maybe he's got boys, maybe he's just struggling in general. And because guys are guys and they don't like asking for help, they don't like to be vulnerable. What would you as someone who is an experienced single dad, what would you tell them? Well, I'll tell them, you know, whether it makes you comfortable or uncomfortable if you feel like it's right for your kids, then you need to do it. Find a church or a group to connect with that you can get some assistance with because you might be able to do it on your own, but you also need to know that it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to reach out because there are willing or there are people willing to help you, mm-hmm. you know, in any situation, mm-hmm. as long as you're willing to ask and you're not just going to sit there and suffer. Right. And I think that's a good point. And I think because when we were talking earlier about moms are more willing to ask for help, I think that's why there's more help out there for single moms because they are willing to ask. Yeah. I mean, if men were to step up and we have abundance of men saying, Hey, I need help. I'm pretty sure that maybe there would be be oil change places that say single dad day. (laughs) Like I'm going to free oil change. Right. I think I didn't realize both, both dads and moms are important. And every child deserves a mom and a dad. And when one parent is absent, it makes the church that much more important because God wants to fill that that hole maybe that's in the child's heart of having that absent parent. And it was actually your daughter that really taught me that. Because I think for a long time, I always thought dads were more important because in the church we talk about how important fathers are to girls and even to boys, but there wasn't a whole lot of talk about how important moms are. And I was babysitting temperance one day. Uh, I don't even remember what we were doing, but we were at my house and she looked at me and she, I I wanted, do you want to go outside? Do you want to play a game? And she looked at me and she was like, can we just cuddle? And I think she was like three or four. And it just blew my mind. Like she just wanted cuddles. And that's what moms do. Not that dads don't cuddle, but there's something different when a mom cuddles. Right. Yeah. And I said, okay. And she curled up on my lap and she just zonked right out. And at that moment is when I realized, wow, moms are important too. But I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't understand because like I said, we talk so much about how important dads are but not so much about how important moms are. And when you're a single dad raising kids, there is that absence of the nurturing. There is that absence of the cuddles, not because you can't nurture or cuddle. It's just moms are different. Yeah. Dads cuddle differently. We might sit there and, you know, snuggle with our kids and stuff, but it usually leads to tickling and wrestling. (laughs) 
I was about to say, at least a tickle fights, because I've watched my husband several times try to cuddle with my kids, and it doesn't last long. No. <laughs> it turns into tickling, then it turns into wrestling, but kids need that. They need that from their dad. They need the nurturing and the cuddles and stuff from mom, but they need the rough housing from yep. dad, too. And uh, Scott, I'm so glad that you came to our church, you know, so many years ago and gave your heart to Jesus. It was it's been such a privilege to watch you grow, but also to watch your girls grow up. And because of the decisions that you've made and how hard you've worked, you know, your girls are going to be better off and they're going to be stronger women because of it, because you not only were the dad that you needed to be, but you surrounded them with women that could help them. That could be a blessing to them. That could be a spiritual mom to them. And I would just, I would hate to see what it was like if you, you guys weren't a part yeah. of a body of Christ. And I'm just, I'm really proud of you. And I thank you so much for being vulnerable today. And I think what I admire most about you is that you've never played victim. You've never been like, well, I'm a single dad. So feel sorry for me. It's like, nope. This is my responsibility. I help bring these girls into the world and I'm going to suck it up and I'm going to do it. And I really appreciate that about you not being a victim, but saying, nope, I'm going to be a victor. I'm going to be victorious for my kids. So thank you very much for hanging out with me today. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Unique On Purpose podcast. And thank you to Scott for sharing your story so others can understand what it is like to be a single dad, but also to learn that they too can be victorious. A reminder that my book, The Real War on Women, comes out October 18th. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok for updates. Unique On Purpose is available on iTunes as well as Spotify and rachelgenneman.com. So don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I will see you right back here next week.